The next reading is from John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. Jesus explains why he came. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Thank you. Well, let me add uh, my welcome to Jay's and say we're really glad that you've come to celebrate Christmas with us here at Jama's this year. And celebration is the right word, because whatever else is going on in our lives, whatever else is going on around the world, the Christmas message is a message of real joy and hope for the world. I want to think for a few minutes with us about um, what the heart of the Christmas message is and what the joy of the Christmas message is really about. Um, I'm hoping the uh, slides will come up on the screen. Uh, but oh, there we go, there we go. What is the joy of Christmas all about? Well, this morning there were some children running around in here at our normal church service, and if you were to ask them, kind of, what's the joy of Christmas all about? <coughs> I wonder what, what answer you'd get. Maybe this one Christmas is all about getting the greatest gifts. For some of us adults, it's not been that for a while, um, but you might remember that feeling. I still remember with my brother, we woke up one year to discover a new family computer, the Amiga 600. Oh, it had a game called Supercars 2 on it. What a game, what a Christmas. That was me done for the week. As we grow up in life, we learn the mantra that that Christmas is not supposed to be about getting presents. It's much more than that, we say. You know, it's, um, what is it? Family goodwill. It's festive cheer. It's desperately hoping the turkey is defrosted. I want to say, though, there's actually a lot of truth in that childlike attitude to Christmas. So we may be saying, oh, no, that's all wrong, that's all wrong, that's all wrong. I think, actually, only one letter is wrong of it. Christmas is about getting the greatest gift, singular. That's what Christmas is actually about. A free gift from God that is greater than anything else we could ever receive. This is what Christians believe. That's why we find this to be a season of real joy, whatever's going on in life. That God has given, out of his love and kindness, the greatest gift in history. This baby born in a manger at Bethlehem, the Saviour King, Jesus Christ. Now I'm conscious some of us here may not think Jesus is anything particularly special or relevant to our lives. Um, So I want to do a bit of gift analysis with us tonight. Like, What makes a great gift? You may be someone who's really good at finding gifts for the loved ones, uh, or you may be like me. I may see you at Fort Kinnard on Christmas Eve 
with some other men, often looking lost and a bit panicky, hoping inspiration will strike this year. God has been planning the gift of Christmas for hundreds of years, and he told us about it. That's what all the readings we had before this reading from John that we're going to think about now. What makes a great gift? Perhaps we think it's the intention, the thought behind it. It's the thought that counts, loving. Perhaps we think it's the price. I mean, you can always kind of fall back on that if you haven't got any good ideas. How much did this cost? Wow. Perhaps we think it's the use. If you're a practical type, you know, thanks, that's just what I needed. I've realized with my wife that that's never the answer. Um, That's actually a complaint. Um, Or maybe you think, no, it's the beauty. I mean, I don't care about practical, but I I want something that just amazes me. It's beautiful, attractive. Across this room, we'll value different aspects more than others. But I want to say tonight that on every one of those criteria, the gift that God gave the world at Christmas is the greatest gift ever given. Ironically, though, loads of people walk past without even a second look. So what is the gift? Well, let me read those words again from uh, John's Gospel that we've just heard, this, this biography of Jesus' life. And this is actually Jesus himself talking, and he says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a famous verse. You see it on billboards sometimes or football matches. And I think the more famous the bits of the Bible, the easier it is to glaze over them and not really kind of stop and think, what's that saying? Fundamentally, though, that is describing a gift. What kind of gift? Well, let's look at the motive God so loved the world that he gave. And actually, when you pause to think about that, it's quite remarkable. God so loved this world that he gave. This world. The world with its wars on an international scale and in the family home over Christmas. God so loved this world. This world that doesn't particularly love God, mostly ignores our creator and all the gifts he's given us. This world where we don't really love each other this much and and we're not really looking after his creation. This world he so loved that he gave. Extraordinary. If we were editing God's Christmas card list, we would have culled a lot of names. Well, they never talk, they're never in contact, they've been quite mean, they've slagged you off. God so loved this world that he gave. That's the first thing, it's loving. Is it precious? Well, what did he give? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What an extraordinary gift. I have seen some surprising presents in my life. There was a giant inflatable armchair once. I loved that, actually. My dad was given a special effects smoke machine one year. That's a longer story. I won't tell it now. Um, What I've never done is open the wrapping paper and find a human being. Surprise! But the gift God the Father gave to this world, that first Christmas, was his own divine son taking on human form to come and rescue us. Which brings us, thirdly, to the usefulness of this gift. See, Jesus, when he came, he didn't just come to say hello or to prove that God was real or to help people who were sick or were suffering, although he did all those things. His mission was much bigger than all of that. 
I actually discovered this week, I was looking through lists of unusual Christmas presents you can go for. Apparently, for a hefty fee, you can arrange a celebrity, like a B-list celebrity, to, to make a happy Christmas message for anyone you love, uh, kind of personalised to you and sent on social media. It's amazing what people pay for these days. And actually, what B-list celebrities have to do at Christmas, I actually felt a bit sorry for them. How many of them do they do? Anyway, Jesus is the ultimate A-lister. Like, there's no one bigger than him. And yet when he came to earth, he didn't just come in to kind of check in and and do a 30-second wave. No, he came for a really specific purpose. Jesus came to live the life that we all should have and then die the death that we deserved, to pay the price that we could be forgiven. That's what's going on in verse Uh, 16 there. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. There could not be a more useful present than a solution to death. I was asking the the team here at church uh, for examples of presents which initially didn't look that great. We weren't impressed and then they proved really useful. And there was nothing that, that fun. We got a frying pan still being cooked with and we got a dog um, who proved to be a real blessing. And for me, it was a leather wallet. Um, this one, actually. It's from my auntie. I got it when I was about 15, 16. And I remember thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do with that? It's not Supercars 2. 25 years later, it's been with me every day of my life. She knew better than me what I needed. And God in the Bible says... Of all the things we think we need and we feel we need, this is what we most need. This is what he sent his son to help us with, a solution to death. Death, of course, is the ultimate statistic. One out of one human beings die. And actually, the Bible says that's not even the end. So so when we die, it's not just kind of nothingness or oblivion. When we die, we go to meet our maker, God, and give an account for the life We've lived. And if we know anything of ourselves and anything of the real holy God, that's actually a scary thought. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him need not perish but have eternal life. And this brings us to the final thing. See, Jesus isn't just useful in that he can help us with our biggest problem, death, the thing that no one else can help us with or nothing else can. Not just useful, but attractive. See, whoever believes in Jesus, it's not just they they shall not perish, but they can have eternal life. That is life knowing God forever. We may think, oh yeah, harps and singing, that's just going to be boring if that goes on forever. But no, God made this world This world that we enjoy, this music that we're enjoying, this food that we'll enjoy, that God forever with his people, friendship, laughter, joy, and none of the sin or the selfishness or the hostility or the arguments that ruin it. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's why Christians think this season is joyful That's why our our Christmas services, we sing carols of joy. We're about to sing joy to the world. It really is the greatest gift there's ever been. But just before I sit down, I do want to 
just point out one other thing from this passage, um, which is a second question, really. What is the biggest surprise at Christmas? What's the biggest surprise here in John chapter 3? Well, here it is. Many people don't want God's greatest gift. Here's what John says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. This is the real shock, actually, of Christmas. Um, this is the bit you don't get in the nativity plays. Um, although, actually, I found out my son is playing alien number one in his school nativity play. So I'm not even sure you'll get the first bit, uh, that particular one. Um, but you definitely won't get this bit. That God's son came as a light, as a, as a rescuer, to offer life to anyone who would trust him, to offer forgiveness. And what did people do? Well, they wanted to get rid of the light. We often claim as humans that God doesn't make himself obvious enough. Like we're playing a game of hide and seek and he's really hiding, even though we're seeking with our, all our hearts. The Bible says it's the other way around, that actually we're the ones hiding. And you see that when God himself comes to earth, in person, turns up, turns the lights on, and we kind of scuttle for the exits, preferring the darkness, trying to get on to get rid of the light, thinking, Jesus, can you just get out of the way? I just want to enjoy my Christmas. Why is that? When Jesus is so good, if you read about him, he's just so good. Why is it? Well, John says this, this is the verdict. Lights come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Now, this is strong language, but it, it's saying that actually there is this fear of exposure when we come across the real message of Jesus Christ. I think um, as, as um, human beings, we want God to be a bit like one of these. Uh, this is another present idea uh, this Christmas. It's a smart bulb, and that's a smart bulb. And we want to treat God like that, that kind of light. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for a bit of light bit of Christmas light or Easter light or when life's particularly difficult and I'm feeling desperate, then Jesus, you can shine a bit. But I want to keep my hand on the control. I don't want the light too bright. I don't want it too often. And I definitely don't want it kind of shining into the corners of my life. Places where I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to, to let anyone see, let alone God see. See, we want to control the light. And therefore, we have a problem with Jesus because he's less like the 800 lumens of a smart bulb and more like the 127,000 lumens of the sun, which doesn't turn off. He has all the blazing, white-hot purity and goodness of God. And actually, this is the experience of getting to know Jesus. So if you were to ask any of the Christians here, kind of our testimony, what does it feel like to get to know Jesus, to find out what he's like? We would say things like this, well... It's to realize what being truly human looks like. What being good looks like as I see him. And then to realize how much I've been living in the shadows. The ways I've been choosing wrong, not right. The ways I've not been choosing truth often. The ways I've justified myself whilst living in a compromise. And sadly for some people, that, that idea of just being exposed by the, the bright light of God's truth is just too terrifying so some of us would rather keep Jesus at arm's length. And while I said Christmas is a time of great joy, and it is, it really is, 
This actually, as we draw to a close, is the saddest thing about Christmas for me. That many people don't open God's greatest gift. Don't even want to investigate it. Don't even want to get into the wrapping and see what's there. As part of my research for this talk, I, uh, I found myself on Mum's Net, as you do. Um, I was on a, on a forum uh, dedicated to Christmas disasters that they'd experienced. Um, there were the usual things, broken ovens, frozen turkeys, vomiting children, drunk relatives, and pets stealing food. Um, apparently one dog managed to get an entire cooked turkey just before dinner and then made a run for a cat flap and got most of the turkey through the cat flap. It stripped the uh, wings and legs off as it went, which obviously wasn't enough for the family to have a meal. It was a disaster. As I scanned through the posts, though, uh, looking for illustrations, uh, the one Christmas tragedy I didn't hear about was a brilliant present being left unopened. And yet here we are, the greatest gift of all. This generous, free gift out of love from the God who made us. Precious, his only son. Needed so that no one would perish. Attractive, the key to eternal life. I'm the way, the truth, the life, said Jesus. No one comes to the Father but through me. The thing we were made for, given to us at Christmas. And yet many people don't even open it. Don't even look at it to see if it's real. Now, I guess tonight, as I come to a close, there'll be different, there'll be different people in the room. Uh, some of us will feel like, I, I, I really don't know much about this. Like, this all sounds pretty weird. Uh, I, I kind of need to find out some more. It, it might not be real, after all. There's lots of people who offer kind of hope and, and nice sentiment at this time of year. Um, it might be, we've got some um, presents down there. Um, spoiler alert, they're just empty. They're just really nice wrapped boxes, empty boxes. Jesus might be like that, but at least have a look. Open up an account of his life, read through it. See if he stands up to scrutiny as the light of the world. That might be you, and, and Jay later will pop up and, at the end and just say, mention some ways to find out more. There might be some of us here who've, who've sadly had a bad experience of religion in the past. Maybe you've, you've, you think, actually, I do know what I'm missing, and I'm sure I don't want it. To you, I want to say, look, Jesus Christ is not about religion. That's not what he's offering, and there's a lot done in the name of God that's nothing to do with Jesus. Actually, Jesus was most opposed to the, the religious of leaders of his day, People who thought you could impress God by just ticking through a kind of checklist of do's and don'ts. People who wouldn't accept it's a free gift from God. So if you've been put off by kind of churchianity growing up, enough to put you off for life, please again take a good look at Jesus, a proper look at Jesus as an adult, the real Jesus of the Bible, the historical Jesus. There might be others of us here who actually have heard enough. We do know what the message is. We know what the offer is. And maybe there are some here who are just fearful of exposure. People love darkness because of, instead of lights. They will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Maybe we think, look, I've come this far in life, kind of doing things my way. I'd rather take my chances on my own, please. I don't want to get involved. Jesus, though, is really clear that 
ignoring God forever is not an option. We are going to meet him face to face. And so it's not actually a choice of kind of be exposed by coming to the light of Jesus or, or just never, never have anything exposed. No, when Jesus comes to judge, there will be perfect justice. We will all give an account of our lives. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus came before that day. Verse 17 says this. Let me pop it up. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. My encouragement this Christmas is to reflect on the greatest gift ever given. And if you haven't personally trusted in him, well, this could be the year. I'd love to chat to you or chat to a friend who brought you a gift this good a gift this necessary, this needed, a gift this precious, should not be left unopened on the shelf for another year. We're going to take a moment to pause. There's not much time in life, is there, to pause and reflect. So I'm just going to give us some, I'll read that verse um, one more time, and I'll just give a moment to pause, then I'll pray, and then we'll stand and sing our final carol, um, Joy to the World. So let me read a verse and then we'll have a pause, pray and sing. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you so loved the world, you gave us your Son. We pray this Christmas you would help us to not fear the light he brings, but rejoice in it and the forgiveness he offers. Thank you that through Jesus we can have eternal life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.